Welcome back. This is your storyteller. Before I present what may be the final episode of Geraldine's story, a church girl story, I would love to get some feedback as to what you thought, how you felt about her story, and I would like to hear how you were impacted, if, if at all. Or do you know of anyone whose lives have been impacted in the same manner from Jolene's story? So let me hear back from you, please. I was pleased to write her story because it was personal for me. And even today, in the year of our Lord, 2022, I know plenty of Jolene's. I've counseled them. I've held them in my arms, and I've prayed that the church folk stop hurting God's children. That's still my prayer, especially the babes in the church, the new babes, not just in age, but those who are just coming to the Lord. They followed the scripture that said, come as you are. But when they came as they were, they were shunned many times. And when they were not shunned, they were put in positions in the church way too soon. You're going to be an usher. You're going to be on the choir. You're going to be this and you're going to be that. That was way too soon. And when they couldn't do it, they were criticized and critiqued harshly until they soon ran back to their comfort zone, the world. Some were touched and fondled and had to endure vulgar talk, nasty talk, street talk. Some had to endure harsh rebukes, belittled, and reminded of their past as if it were a thing to be remembered. This was a story of Jolene's past. However, as she told it to me, remember I just said this was her past. Something happened to her a long time ago. But I took notice that As she told it to me, I sensed that some hurt was still lingering in her heart. She did tell me that this was the first time that she had ever talked out loud about it, which means that she's carried it all that time before she talked to me. I'm a firm believer that talking out loud to someone that you trust is good medicine. Let me say it again. Talking out loud, not within yourself, but talking out loud to someone that you trust is good medicine. That's my belief. And I've seen that it works. Now, if you notice, I didn't say tell your pastor Tell the prophet, the deacon, or the fiery preacher, I said, someone that you trust 
Yeah. Tell that person. Now, let's talk about the ending of Jolene's church awakening. And the beginning of her mature relationship with the one and only one that matters. Jesus Christ. Her Lord and her Savior. Part 5. And whereas I thought this was going to be the final episode, I think I'm going to run out of time, so I may need to do just one more, which would be part 6. But if I don't finish today, I will quickly give you the ending. But I'll wait until I think that you have fully digested this portion. Here we go. Revival in the whorehouse. Geraldine said to me, I knew that I was not crazy. I can't say that I understood all that was going on, she said. But for sure, I wasn't crazy. You see, what was in me, what had been taught to me by my mother and by my youth pastors, was spewing up out of me like projectile vomit. One scripture after the other spewing up and out of me. And I was naked. Yep. I stood there naked, quoting scripture in that whorehouse. Jerlene repeated portions of the episode with her last suitor. She squinted her eyes and frowned as if she was trying to remember. Finally, she turned to me and asked whether or not she told me about how the man stood there in stark fear. So even though she had told me, which is what I put in part four, just to appease her and to ease her frustration, I said to her, you can tell it to me again. She said, oh, yeah, okay, well, I'll tell it to you again. He was so scared. And I kept wondering why he just didn't run for his life sooner than he did. He did run, but it took him way too long to come to himself and run out of that place. He thought I was crazy. Or maybe he thought he was crazy. Maybe he thought he was dreaming all of that. After all, he had been drinking and smoking. He came for a good time. A time that his wife couldn't or wouldn't give him. I'm not sure whether it was couldn't or wouldn't. But he got more than he bargained for. He heard me whisper in my sultry voice, Come, let us take our love, our feel of love, unto the morning. I'm sure he liked that part. I said to him, 
Let us solace ourselves with loves. <laughs> Jolene turned to me and asked whether or not it sounded crazy to me. I nodded my head in full agreement. Yep, I said, you sounded full-blown crazy. And yep, he should have run for his life the minute you began quoting scripture about how your bed was decked with coverings of tapestry and perfume with myrrh and cinnamon. He should have been out the door. <laughs> Jolene said, I think you're right. She said, I remembered him actually looking at the bed as if he was trying to figure out whether the bed was really as I said. So maybe he was crazy. One of us was crazy. Well, no, it wasn't me. It had to be him. She said, I was swirling and twirling all around. And I was still coming up to him saying, come, lay with me. Come, 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 lay with me. I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. I was listening to Jolene and I was laughing so hard. <laughs> then I asked her, Jolene, you didn't think that sounded crazy to a man who just simply came looking for sex. Besides, he probably never even heard that scripture. You think? We both fell out laughing. Jolene conceded that, no, he probably didn't know that scripture. But in any case, I was so happy to see her laughing. We had been at this for days, and she had not laughed. She simply talked and cried, talked and cried. But I encouraged her to get back to her story. She needed to finish it. Because it was therapy for her. It took a, it took a while for her to begin talking again. Finally, she said that she had asked the Lord to forgive her right then and there. Forgive me, Jesus. I've sinned. Don't let me die here in this waste howling desert. Jolene said that she said all these things before her suitor ran out. That's how she was talking before he finally had the good sense to run out. These were not the words that he expected to hear, she said. I just don't know what took him so long to run for his life. He didn't know me and I didn't know him. I knew that he had money. He was just someone that I picked up. He had lots of money, and he was a good dancer. I think the words, don't let me die here, may have been the thing that triggered him to run. I think so. 
I think he may have thought that I was thinking that he was going to kill me or something. But that was what it took for him to run out. She said, a, a lesson that I learned that night was that money takes a back seat when it comes to fearing for your life. He threw all of his money on the floor, emptied his pockets, and ran for his life as if I was chasing him. I didn't want him or his money, really. In fact, I left the money on the bed and on the floor. But I was on fire. My body was on fire. My brain was on fire. Long after he ran out, I was still naked, quoting scripture. Yeah. Every scripture that came to my mind, I was quoting it. Crying out to the Lord, pleading with him to forgive me, hoping with every fiber of my being that I had not waited too long. I was remembering that my constant plea to the Lord was always, if you don't let me die out here, I will come back. I said it all the time. Please, don't let me die out here. Then I was also remembering the last words that Horace Lee spoke to me. Don't stay out here too long, prophetess, he said. Ah, oh, my brain was on fire. I was on fire. My body was on fire. God, I have sinned against you. Father, I repent. Jesus, I repent. I knew that I could not get up off that floor, only to stand up in my shame again. So I stayed there. I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to get up the same way that I got down there. I would rather lay there and die, I thought, rather than get up and repeat my life as it was for all those past years. I was thinking about my suitor, my prey. I've thought of him many times. I've thought of that night many times. I'm glad that he heard what I said. I'm glad that he heard those scriptures. I'm glad of what he saw. I would like to think that it made a change in him. I would like to think that wherever he is, he remembered that night, that he remembered how scared he was. I don't think he ever had a night like that before. But I pray that as I change, I pray that he changed as well. Slowly, as I lay there, I felt as I kind of felt, wasn't real sure, but I kind of felt like I was coming back to some sense of reality. I think I was, she said. 
because I could smell the stench of my own body. I had not paid attention to how I smelled before. My body, still naked, was drenched in sweat. And because I was now aware, I no longer wanted to continue talking to a holy God, naked and stinking. I knew better, she said. So I pulled the stained sheet from the bed and covered my nakedness. I sat there on that floor, which I never realized the degree of dirty it was. It was filthy. I didn't notice until then. I guess when you're dirty yourself, all dirt looks and feels the same, I guess. I finally stopped begging God to forgive me because I knew that I didn't have to beg. After all, I was a church girl, so I knew that I only needed to confess my sins with a sincere heart and really mean it. And I knew that he would forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I wasn't so far gone that I didn't remember that. I learned that from my youth pastor and my mother. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I had been unrighteous. I was unclean. But I was doing what he asked me to do. Confess it. Mean it. Trust it. I refused to leave there feeling that I had been so dirty that I no longer deserved the right to even let his name come across my lips. I refused to do that because I knew the word. I also knew that I had no trial period to undergo because I confessed my sins and I meant it. And I knew that he heard me and I knew that he forgave me. I would not have to go through a trial period before I could be back into his good graces. I knew that. Now maybe the church would want me to go through a trial period. In fact, I knew that they would want me to go to a trial. They would want me to sit down and sit it out. But I was not going to allow them to do that. I wasn't going back to them. I would not let them do that to me. What a holy God didn't do to me, I certainly would not let them do. He was holy. He was righteous. He was good. He was clean. If he didn't make me do that, no person, no church would make me do that because I would not allow it. 
I would let them know that. And I would teach that. I would testify about that. I would preach about that way. I would prophesy about that way. Because that's not God's way. Going through a period of time, having to do penance was not God's way. I did not need to beat myself up. I didn't need to hide. I didn't need to wear sackcloth and ashes. I did not need to wear black for 30 days. I didn't need to go on a Daniel fast. I didn't didn't need mama to pray for me. I didn't need the church to pray for me. Prophetess Ursula didn't need to lay hands on me. I didn't need it. And I would not allow them to make me do any of those things. But for sure, because I, I knew the difference, I would teach that to them if they let me. I would testify about what God wanted, what God's word said about confession of sins if they let me. I would preach that if they let me. I would prophesy that if they let me. I knew that according to his precious, unchanging word, all that he required of me was a repentant heart, a sincere heart, a broken and a contrite heart. I knew that God promised he would not despise that. Hallelujah. I looked at Jerlene and I could see the change all over her. Even as she sat on that floor, covered in that stained sheet, I knew she was changed. I knew she was different. She kept on talking. Her eyes were filled with water. But there was something sweet and beautiful about her. She said, I knew that the Lord himself already did the work inside the whole house. He did the work. He did. He did. My Lord and Savior, my Father, my friend, did the work inside of me, on me, over me me in the whole house. She continued to talk. She said, I asked him to save me and really fill me with the Holy Ghost. Really fill me. Really give me a new heavenly language. Really make me brand spanking new, she said. I asked him to really transform me by the renewing of my mind. It became clear to me, she said. Finally, it was clear that I had been in the church, but I was not saved. She turned to me and said, you're probably wondering, how did the church girl 
fall so quickly and strayed so far? How did I fall from my atmosphere? I'll tell you. I didn't know the love of Jesus because I really didn't know him in order to love him. I thought I knew him. I knew scripture. I knew church atmosphere, but I didn't know him. I was just doing church, loving the church, loving the safety of the church. Until the atmosphere became stale and stifling. And until it was no longer safe. Jolene turned to me and said, The church girl knew scripture. The church girl knew church stuff. The church girl had a form of godliness but was denying the power thereof. But now, she said, she lifted her hands and began to praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. My only desire now is to allow the Lord to teach me how to live a holy and righteous life for real. Not just as a church girl. She said, I cried out to him and I said, if you let me get up, hey God, then let me get up whole. If you let me get up from here, Lord, let me get up clean. Let me get up in my right mind. But most of all, let me get up in you. And from this time until forever, cause my desire to be toward you and you only. She turned to me and she said, because I wanted to get up saved. She took a minute. She said, I now know why the saints didn't cast out that foul, nasty demon that had me bound. It was clear that I needed to go on this tedious, personal journey for myself. I needed to know Jesus Christ for myself. And I will testify about my journey. Why I needed to go through it. I don't despise it. I had to go through it. In church we sang the song, Love Lifted Me. I love that song. But I never really knew what it meant. But as I lay there on that floor... I know for a certainty that it was his love, that if his love had not lifted me from that floor 
and covered my nakedness with his love, I would not have gotten up because I was too ashamed. I was too ashamed to get up. I needed. Yeah, I wanted his love, but I needed his love to lift me up off that dirty floor and cover my nakedness with his love. I know for a certainty that I couldn't get up without it. My shame overwhelmed me. My stench overwhelmed me. I kept thinking to myself, if he wanted me to go crazy and die because I had shamed him too bad to live, then I would gladly have done it because my shame was just that great. I would have done that to pay for what I did. But guess what? Jolene turned to me. She said, guess what? I didn't know she really wanted me to answer, so I said, what? She said, the Holy Spirit reminded me that I owe no debt. I owed no debt. That Jesus already paid the price on the cross. On the tree, he bore this particular sin in his own body. He did. Jesus did it already. Lying there fully engulfed in his love, I felt clean. Even though I was still sitting on the dirty floor. Even though I had not bathed, I felt clean and fresh. I knew that I could go home and crawl up in mommy's bed under her clean, fresh bed linens. I was no longer stinking. Lying here fully engulfed in his love, I felt fully clothed even though I was still without clothes, naked, but not ashamed. He got on my seat. Naked, but unafraid. His love did that. Not the church, but Jesus' love. My father, my friend, his love did that. I'm saying to you, children of God, after hearing all that, give God a praise right here. We're going to continue to go on, but right here at this place, give God a praise for what you've just heard. Geraldine said, no bath, but fresh as daisies. No sex with woman or man, but totally fulfilled. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. I am going to stop right here. Unfortunately, I do have to stop here because I don't want to take up too much of your time. I wanted to keep this short. But trust me, part six will come shortly in just a few days. But I just want you to digest what you just heard before I come with the next portion, which will be the final portion. Let me know what you think. Let me know how you were impacted by her story, her church story. God bless you, children of God. And again, I thank you so much for staying with me through her story, a church girl story. But let it do something in you. Let it do something for you. I pray that it will cause you to look at what we do to people. And then ask yourself, how many people have I run away? With my words, with my looks. How many drillings do you know? Maybe you're a drilling yourself. But really, really look at it. And pay heed to it. And before I close, let me just say thank you so much for sharing all these episodes of A Church Girl Story. I wish I could hug all of you, but I can't. But know that I do love you, and I thank you. May God bless you real, real, real good. Until next time, I am the storyteller. God bless. Thank you.